Well, greetings and welcome to The Dividing Line. Uh, we are recording this episode, unfortunately. Oh, don't do that to me now. Don't do that to me now. <laughs> we are recording this episode, unfortunately, rather than being live. Uh, we are ready to go, but um, I am in Santa Fe, New Mexico right now on my way to uh, Colorado. And uh, this particular uh, park is causing me some problems this trip. Um, and uh, one thing I do remember, and I need to keep in mind, there is zero cell service. None at this location. And so that's our primary way of doing things. And Starlink's up and running, but it just doesn't want to do a stream at all. So we're just going to record and upload as quick as possible. It could be we've got storms all around. It's windy, dusty, sometimes rainy. It's uh, it's it's interesting day here in uh, in Santa Fe. But we have a lot to get to, and I have another program to do with Eric Hovind um, right after this one. So well, not right after. It's an hour after. So upload blog, do all the stuff that you're supposed to do uh, to try to get it uh, to work from there, and we'll just see if we can get it done. <laughs> it's best we can do. Um, in fact, I, I've, I've lost track of how many other programs we're going to be doing during this trip. Uh, we have at least two or three that are already scheduled and a number of others I need to be sending emails to them. Uh, some of them, one of them's in India, uh, that they need pictures and stuff. And I'm like, eh, I'm not sure you need many pictures of me. Uh, but we'll, we'll do our best uh, along those lines. So with that, before we get into the really important stuff, um, I just, I just had to share this with you. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, and it, it might work better uh, on uh, on camera too. So let's see what we, let's see what we got there. Um, oh, by the way, uh, for those who are following along, um, yeah, you know this one. There's one spot that just doesn't want to hold. I've put I've put stuff on it, but mostly. It looks like everything's working this time around. Uh, hours worth of work on my part. And you'll notice uh, Rich got the uh, logo uh, painted and we've got that up. And I even I even threw some of the, the rocks, the wall uh, down. Yeah, you can, uh, can you see that? Um, maybe, I don't know. Anyways, uh, so been working hard. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that Rich was doing you can't see. There's a light over there now uh, that you can't see, and there's stuff that's been rerouted, and lots of lots of work goes into uh, making something like this uh, work. And of course, you have to make it so it doesn't fall apart when it gets bounced all over the road. Because I'm in New Mexico, and uh, there are some nice stretches of road, like around around Santa Fe here. There's some nice stretches of road, but then there are other stretches of road that just uh, it doesn't matter how much I concentrate how I try to find my way between the, the potholes. It's just, it's just how it works. So anyway, um, but we're up and operational uh, back here. So I think I sort of showed off my new Jeffrey Rice uh, work here. Uh, it's, oh, I forgot, it's gotta be, there we go, Biblia Hebraica, see it? Uh, this is a Hebrew Bible. So it has the New Testament. It is the largest print I've been able to find. So um, you can sort of, you know, look at that and that, you know, well, okay. It's better than Biblia Hebraica Stuttgartensia pocket size, <laughs> which I couldn't read anyway. And I bought it from the Bible Society in Israel. It came pretty quickly and it was not all that expensive. I even linked to it on Twitter. I showed the pictures and I showed you, uh, let me see if I can, okay, see? It came with gold page edging. So it had a sort of leatherette type cover type thing. You know, I'm not sure what that stuff is they make these days, but it sort of looks like leather, but sort of isn't. And it's all right, you know, um, but it came with gold page edging. And so Jeffrey goes, so, um, you know, let's talk about what you want on it, you know, where you want stuff. And, you know, we had all the discussion that my, my name's back here. And that looks like it's on the back. But since this is a Hebrew Bible, that's actually the front, um, right to left, all, all the rest of that kind of stuff. 
And uh, I just noticed my uh, ribbons are now hanging down here. Um, and so there's three of them. Oh, I shouldn't put them all in the same spot. Nope, don't do that. Um, then he asked me, do you want me to dye it? And yeah, he's not a big fat guy, so I'm like, diet? I don't... <laughs> I'm the one that needs diet. Um, and I'm like, well, do, do, what do you mean? Well, an underco undercolor to the page edging. And I was like, I don't, I'm not sure what, I'm not sure what that is. Um, and we went with purple. I've got purple, um, purple stitching, purple things. And if you see here, there, it's gold. And then when I open it up, it's purple. I don't know how he does that. I, I, I have no earthly idea. But this is the text. My, I think I mentioned this years and years and years ago. Um, when I was still at PRBC, uh, this was decades back. Um, Don Fry, when he turned 60, so that's interesting because, you know, I did recently. So this, this was, he's about 20 years older than I am. So this is a while back. He had always used a, I don't know, I guess I would, it wasn't yellow pad, but a white pad of paper for notes for his sermons. No, no, I'll take that back. Uh, it was a, it was a notebook. It was a notebook, a ruled paper notebook. Uh, leaf, loose leaf notebook. And then he turned 60 and I noticed the notes were gone. And so I asked him, I said, what's, what's going on? And he said, you know, um, I felt like I needed a new challenge now that I've turned 60. And so I still write out my notes, but now I have to memorize them because I won't take the notes into the pulpit. You know, most, most folks would do that reverse, <laughs> you know? Uh, um, and, and so there is a, everybody, look, everybody's different. Everybody wants to talk about sermon preparation, how to do sermon prep. We're all very, very different. In fact, I did a program yesterday, um, last evening with uh, the brothers down in Emory, Texas. And one of the questions that came up was, you know, given in, in our day, people don't read books anymore. We don't write letters. We might write emails, but we don't write letters out and send them off in the mail like we used to. Oh, my mom was just so good at that. Oh, her handwriting. <laughs> uh, I don't know that that... that Cursive handwriting may be something that it fades. It just passes away from human experience. Um, though I, I hope homeschool kids keep it alive. Uh, though mine has always stunk. I'm a wonderful printer, but cursive was never my thing. But anyway, we just don't do that kind of stuff anymore. And I was reading a book that I'll tell you more about. It's coming out from Ezra Press. So I was sent a pre-publication thing to write a blurb for it and things like that, which I'll be doing if I can remember to do it. Um, and part of, it, it's, it's about doing deep discipleship in light of coming challenges in the world. And um, a lot of good stuff in there, a lot of stuff that I've been saying, um, but a lot of stuff to add to what I've been saying. And one of the things he was talking about was not only the ability of men and women in the past to memorize, um, so that for for hundreds for hundreds of years you you wouldn't even be considered a proper ministerial material if you didn't have like the Psalter memorized, including Psalm 119, the whole thing. And the other thing was how we learned. Um, and this is true. I, I've experienced this myself. Um, I've been memorizing some patristic citations, and I. I do it by having them on my phone and then as I'm going for walks, can't run anymore, so I go for walks, um, I, I work on memorizing it. But you know what? I know what I know what's missing and, and I need to I need to fix it. 
I need to write them out. That's what I used to do back when I was 17, 18 years old. When I started working on memorizing scripture, uh, that's what you do is you would write it out. And there is something about the brain hand activity of writing something that puts it into a different mechanism of storage in the mind. And we were talking on the, the webcast about the fact that um, we're, we're, we're having to try to preach to people today who because of the degradation of Western culture and of course the educational system, which is no longer an educational system at all, and the intrusion of technology um, that they struggle to memorize and to have a long enough uh, attention span to really be able to follow in-depth theological argumentation. And th th I'm not really sure how to get around that, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, my main thing was, well, we have to give example and how we preach and how we teach to lead them to, but we're talking about changing how people learn and read and interact with the world around them once they become Christians, just simply so that you can have a deep enough understanding of truth um, to, to grasp everything. And uh, so back to, uh, back to what I'm what I'm talking about here um, why why get a large print uh, Hebrew text my uh, sermon at G3 in Atlanta will be from Isaiah chapter 41 now um, two national conferences ago I don't remember what year it was I preached from Isaiah 6, but you may recall uh, that I did preach from a Jeffrey Rice Rebind, but it was a Jeffrey Rice Rebind of the two-volume Reader's Greek Septuagint. So I was reading from the Greek, and the reason for that in Isaiah 6, of course, was the textual variant there, saw his glory, all that stuff. You can go watch it. I think it's a fantastic um, passage on the deity of Christ and things like that. It's, we're we'll getting into that in this program, so you might want to keep that in mind. Um, anyway, so the challenge for me personally for the sermon was I only brought that text into the pulpit. I did not have any notes, and I did not have an English text, so I'm reading from the Greek Septuagint. So when I read the text, I'm reading from the Septuagint, and then when I'm exegeting the text and making application, that's, that's what I'm using. That requires you um, to have done your homework. It requires you to have somewhat internalized um, the text. And I've often said that that's how I prefer to preach. I don't always have the opportunity of doing it that way. But for me, that's the, that's the best way of, of doing things. So the challenge here is I'm much better with Greek than I am with Hebrew. I've taught Hebrew, but it was, well, no, I taught the Hebrew exegesis too, but that was, a lot, that was many years ago. And you, you keep what you use. And the vast majority of apologetic material, interaction, study, you're in the Greek New Testament, you're in the Greek Septuagint, more than you're in the Hebrew text. And so this will... This will push me big time to be able to read the passage um, and to then just utilize the Hebrew text in front of me. Um, so you can pray toward that. I mean, that's just, I don't have to do it that way. But I think it makes for, a lot of people really found the Isaiah 6 sermon. In fact, I'll put it this way. Um, the Isaiah 6 sermon had, I thought, much more positive feedback than the next sermon I did, which was topical. Um, it wasn't exegetical. I was going from text to text. 
Now, of course, I am wondering how I will be interrupted <laughs> this time around. Uh, there is a running joke. Um, the last national conference, my sermon, I got started and then I got stopped because there was a lost kid. And so they bring the kid up and, you know, trying to find the parents. Okay, start again. Oh, yeah, here we go. And and years before that, and those of you who are preachers, think think with me for a moment what this was like. I'm I'm into the sermon. And all of a sudden, I feel someone touching my back. The sound guy has snuck up behind me. He's lifted up my jacket. Now, everybody's watching this. I don't see it happening. But he's doing something with my microphone from... I don't know if he had to change a battery. I mean, you should have had the right batteries in the first place, I suppose. But So anyways, there's, there's sort of a running joke. What's going to happen to White uh, at the start of his sermon? G3, because it's like... That's just sort of how it happens. It, it, it just works that way. So we'll see. We'll see. But this is the text that I will have. And thank you, Jeffrey. Uh, I This gold to purple thing, wow, is truly, truly awesome. So um, Christmas is coming. <laughs> if you want to... Some of you know your pastor's. Or some of you who are pastors, you need to drop the right hints. Uh, would just love to have the two color. You open it up; it's a different color than when you close it. Oh, it's just yeah. That's 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 great. That's great. And I did link, by the way, because I had few, few few people ask. I did link on Twitter. It was very easy to find again um, to the large print Hebrew text at the uh, Israeli Bible Society uh, thing. It was. I don't think I, don't th I think it was in the mid 40s. Might have been as much as sixty dollars, but I, I think it was in the mid 40s actually. So for Bible paper and all the rest of that stuff, not bad, not not bad at all. So uh, wanted to start off with that. Okay. Uh, next, and I'm going to need to start setting up my second monitor. I've just got so much stuff set up here already that it's a uh, bit of a challenge. Um, Something came across Twitter right before the program started, and it's it's stuff that we were talking about a lot in 21. Once COVID started waning in 22, we've sort of moved on to other topics. Um, but I'm the Debbie Downer guy, which simply means I'm a Scottish realist, okay? Uh, and I don't mean that philosophically. I mean that in my outlook on life. And we need to recognize that the people who locked us down, impoverished us, killed us um, with poisonous stuff and unnecessary medical procedures and, in fact, a, a hospital routine that killed a number of people that I know, a number of people who are close to me, um, the drugs they used, the protocols they used, uh, led to the large majority of the deaths. And there are continuing deaths, cancers, all sorts of neat fun stuff still going on. And the people that did all that have not repented. They have not admitted that they were wrong. And in fact, they're doubling down. There was an article uh, that I saw. I didn't get too deeply into it, but one of the primary people in the United Kingdom that was behind the lockdowns is saying we need to be prepared for harsher lockdowns the next time around. They're all talking about the next time around. And if you think COVID-19 was the only thing in that Wuhan lab um, or in the labs in Ukraine or whatever, um, you're, you're sorely in error. And it's coming again. That's that's why I joke with my friends. They're all mocking me because I don't. I'm still not flying, and I'm not going to be flying. We've invested in this mechanism of travel now, and it's the way it is. I got to travel globally for years and years and years. Got all the miles I needed, 
and I miss everybody overseas, but this is what we've invested in, and this is how we're going to do things. And I joke with some of these guys that are, you know, they're all bopping around the world, you know, and that's great, that's fine, that's wonderful. And when they lock us down, and when they say, shoot the goo into your arm, or you don't get to get on any plane at all, I'll be the one doing online um, instructions on how to do RVing. Because <laughs> I'll show you all how to do it. We'll have Rich with a camera following me around. This is how you hook up your sewer hose without getting anything on your hands. Um, uh, and you, you can do that. You just have to do it right. And there's a certain order of things. And I'll show you all how to do it. Uh, I'll lead the way. And that's just how things are. So when I see this thread, uh, the Australian Communications Legislation Amendment, parentheses, combating misinformation and disinformation, Bill 2023. Now you might be saying, we're not in Australia. Well, that's true. And it was so sad for me to watch Australia demonstrate that it has no commitment to freedom of speech, thought, or anything, of worship, religion, that the majority of the leadership are very much in love with totalitarianism. They're tyrants. They're tyrants. And I said many times, I was in Melbourne in December of 2019. I missed the lockdowns down there where there were people stranded in Australia. I missed those by a matter of weeks. Was it March? So it was close. And they're wonderful people down there. I've so enjoyed the trips that I've taken down. And, you know, I had... You know, I was mainly in Sydney and Brisbane, but I got to go down to Melbourne that last time. A beautiful city. Had an enjoyable debate with a wonderful Muslim opponent. We had talked about doing further debates in the future and just all sorts of things like that. And now I wouldn't go to Australia for love nor money. Because, I mean, you could be down there and something could hit and they could, they just don't care. And we can sit here and say, well, that could happen there, but it can't happen here. <laughs> we have such a naive and childish trust in a piece of paper. The Constitution's a piece of paper. And once you get one or two more justices uh, plugged in from the left side of things um, it, it, it will be meaningless because the ideologues on the court have already demonstrated they don't they, they may raise their hand and swear this that and the other thing but as long as you think it's a living document you can say it means whatever you want to say it means it can't protect you from anything and so I, I do appreciate our greater uh, protections but I just recognize that if, if the UK is talking about tougher lockdowns and Australia is doing the misinformation disinformation stuff once again all that is all that is is newspeak it's, it's 1984 that's all it is. These people are saying there is a government narrative. Remember New Zealand? It was even worse in New Zealand. The female prime minister, you need to believe us. We will be your source of truth. It's, it's just like uh, they, could, they could do a new edition of 1984, make it 2024. And you could change all the characters and you could use modern pictures of the PM of New Zealand and stuff like that and just put them in there. They'd fit perfectly because they're doing the same thing. 
It's newspeak. It's the changing of language. And they have to control it. That's why I am so thankful my grandchildren are being homeschooled and I'm so proud of them and so proud of their so proud of Eric and Summer. Um, the job they're doing with them is just awesome. But I don't know how long. I don't I have zero confidence unless something radically changes. That my oldest cadence that her children will be able to be homeschooled. You can't in many nations in Europe. You can't in Germany, for example. You cannot homeschool. And the government knows, these, these tyrants know, they have to start early. When, when you're trying to make people live in God's world without acknowledging God and rebelling against everything God says is good and proper and holy and just and everything else, you've got to start early. You've got to get that crammed into people's minds early on. And so here in the United States, we have lots of people already who are very much into the idea of misinformation and disinformation, which is, well, who gets to define that? Um, saw an article about Facebook fact checkers. Someone fact-checked the fact-checkers. And not surprising, it turned out that the fact-checkers are extremely biased and aren't really checking facts. And we all knew that. We all knew that. But we see how this is working. We see how this is functioning. And so there's a whole... Um, I think it's Chris Baxter is the guy's name. There's a whole thread on Twitter. The guy reading through this. Um, no religious exemptions. Um, the government is exempt, but churches are not. I mean, it is bald-faced. Uh, we're taking over the internet. That's that's the only way to way to put it. And see, the problem that that you have is if. If Australia comes along and says to Twitter, you can't allow this kind of speech in Australia. What do, what what's Twitter supposed to do? How, how's that even supposed to go? I I, I suppose there are ways of um filtering things or something I mean I've gotten a few of those um, someone in Germany didn't like what you said on Twitter emails um, and I ignore them you know I, I, I'm i like Bleh. you know so, so, so somebody in Germany doesn't like what I had to say well, alright that's fine we'll, we'll survive but what if it's what if you every country does the same thing? This second. Yes, I do have to take medication once in a while. Just one, just one, just one. Thankfully, um, I, I don't know how it works, but the the financial pressure that governments in collusion with corporations can put on someone like Twitter or any any other source that would dare to allow for freedom that would allow for any other viewpoint than that of the regime eventually the global regime uh, is, is massive and so we were all talking about this a year and a half ago about how are we going to communicate how are we going to get the message out and then between the, the slow diminishment of stuff in regards to COVID, the numbers just couldn't stay high enough to keep the panic going. Though, I pulled into the New Mexico Information Center right across the border from Arizona into New Mexico. It's been closed for a while, but it was open again. Pulled into a used restroom. 
Everybody working there. Masked up. Everyone working there. There is no... They're masked up. Um, so, even though that stuff has been declining, we need to realize these people who want to shut us down and control our every thought and speech and action and and everything they have not gone away they do not feel defeated they're working on the next big thing they're using climate and it's been very effective because they have the elites they don't have a lot of the people out in real life we all know it's a bunch of hooey because it is it's a bunch of hooey and, it, and you can you I would love to see well you you saw um, same thing would happen the, the thing with Rogan and the guy on vaccines and Kennedy and all the rest of that stuff Kennedy's we, some interesting people running for office right now let's just put it that way um, you saw that and you saw how these people who the, the guy he was challenging to debate had been all over MSNBC and CNN and everywhere. I just, 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 uh, he won't debate. And you won't be able to get any of these. You, you won't be able to get the Al Gores uh, and the Greta Thunbergs and all the rest of that stuff. You will not get them on a stage with a moderated debate because the data and the, the, the amount where they have doctored the data the number of things you could demonstrate where our own NASA you know in the in the COVID area uh, world health stuff you know it's the CDC in climate area it's NASA and things like that I don't know if they just don't think that archives exist or what but you can show them changing the data making things look different. Uh, have you seen how many times, for example, they'll, they'll show these uh, temperature maps and everything's yellow and orange and red and oh, it's just wow, we're just boiling. And then you look at the actual numbers and you look back at a temperature map from only 15 years ago. And it's warmer 15 years ago, but the colors aren't red, yellow, and orange. So they're even using color to communicate, we're boiling here, the oceans are evaporating. It's a bunch of hooey. It's just not true. I, I, I mean, carbon, carbon dioxide is plant food. The plants love it. And it is not... Water vapor is the largest gas that control that that is involved in, in heat carbon dioxide is a teeny tiny little bit of nothing and you could spend all of the combined economies in a year of the united states great britain china um all the big ones and have one one volcano go off somewhere all wiped out everything you you did wiped out it's uh it's it's a scam on an, an amazing level anyway point being back to here be watching um this kind of stuff in australia and here in the united states be watching because nothing has changed just because we've sort of moved on in our attention doesn't mean much nothing's changed they learned they said wow we can get a lot of people to just go i'm scared take care of me so we, we could get a whole lot more people to do that than we thought so next time around let's try to get this this and this and the next time around this this and this that's what they're that's what they're up to that's what they're up to okay um now as I mentioned, I've mentioned to you many times before, as I am driving, and my yesterday was the longest leg of this trip, seven and a half hours is way too much. 
that's that's way too much. I I, I have great respect for all of our truck drivers in the um, in the audience. Way to go, guys! Um, but as I've mentioned, I've got various um, physical issues I'm dealing with: torn up left shoulder, and very very clearly, very very. It's not just well. We only know about the left. We didn't scan the right, so. so. Um, who knows what's over there? I, I don't know that I want to know what's over there. But clearly, driving is what is doing this stuff over there. And so I, you know, I've got a pillow over here and all that. Long story short, I try to utilize that time as best I possibly can for this program and to do the things that we do. So, like I said yesterday, I, I read a book that I'll be writing a endorsement for for Ezra Press, Ezra Institute, Joe Boots Group. Joe's now in, in England, but, you know, Canada, here in the United States, stuff like that. I was supposed to be speaking at a Ezra Institute, uh, a Runner Academy uh, thing in May, but it, it, it didn't make, so I, I wasn't able to go. But uh, still hoping to have that opportunity sometime here in the United States uh, to do that kind of thing. And um, so trying to uh, multitask because it takes hours to prepare for a lot of these programs. So sometimes I sit down and do something and uh, great. But when you're, especially when you're trying to keep up with developments and other perspectives and things like that, uh, I do most of that work on my own. Now, those of you who sent, someone sent me, uh, I think it was Ken, sent me um, a clip, a video clip. I think in DM and Twitter, as I recall. And those of you who do that kind of thing, I appreciate it. I really, really do. It does help me. Uh, I, I can't be ransacking the internet all the time. And so when people send me stuff, um, that's very, very helpful. So I, I thank all of you who do that. If I don't use it, please don't be offended by that. But uh, it is helpful to have people doing that kind of assistance in that way. Anyway, sent me a clip of a conversation that I guess took place a little less than a year ago. And it was an online conversation between William Lane Craig and Dale Tuggy. And they mentioned uh, toward the end of the conversation that there was a book being done that both Tuggy and Craig were contributing to. It was uh, about an hour long. It was supposed to be evenly divided, half an hour where Tuggy is, where William Lane Craig is defending his view of the Trinity, and that really is a very unique, um, unorthodox view. I mean, he, when you, when you yourself identi identify yourself as a neo-Apollinarian, don't get angry for me, at me for saying that's an unorthodox view. I mean, I don't know how else you, you define it. Uh, but the first half hour, William Lane Craig is uh, responding to objections from Dale Tuggy. And then the second half hour, it was supposed to be the other way around. Uh, Tuggy is supposed to be defending Unitarianism against William Lane Craig. Well, they went a little long in the first half hour. And so the it, it wasn't really quite a fair division of time. It's on YouTube. If you put in William Lane Craig, Dale Tuggy, it'll come up. Um, oh, I hear thunder. <laughs> With all the other stuff I had going on. If all of a sudden everything goes poof, <laughs> just, then let's just hope the um, we have a new... Uh, surge protector on the unit here. We, we will hope that it will work. <laughs> I, I don't want to see all this wonderful equipment uh, smoking uh, after a, a lightning strike. Anyway, <clears throat> this is, hey, we're on the road. That's, this is, it's a road trip DL. That's how this works. And, um, and I'm loving it. I, I, I'm so thankful to Rich for all he's done. And uh, I, I just, th I, I, I just think, uh, I think that that angle there 
is so cool. Uh, Rich put the, uh, the thing up. But you see what I did with the mirror? There's a mirror over there. And the problem was the mirror was reflecting right into the kitchen. <laughs> I don't need you. I don't need to have the kitchen uh, in the video. And so I've put this stuff up on really pretty much all the mirrors except the one in the bathroom. I'm not really, I don't like seeing myself. I'm not sure why anybody else does either. But but um, I, I put this stuff up all over the place. It worked really, really well. Told ya! <laughs> I told ya! There, there be, there be thunderstorms about. Um, let me, uh, let me look at uh, my radar here real quick. Uh, oh come on, Santa Fe, New Mexico. I know. Where, how do you get rid of this thing? There we go. Uh, eh, it's a little one. It's. Isn't it amazing? I have to admit, I am so thankful that I can pick up a computing device and zoom in on my location and go, ah, okay, there's there's the thunderstorm. And it's a little one that's fast moving and it's probably not gonna cause any problems. So, yay. Um, but I just think back at my dad, you know, working his way through Moody Bible Institute, changing out tubes in TV sets. And that's how he started. And just how fascinated he was with the advancement of technology in his lifetime. And then we can do stuff like this. It's, it's really cool. Back to what we were talking about before the thunderstorm messed everything up. Uh, so it, it, it ended up being about 35 minutes, 25 minutes, I guess. And once I got done listening to it, you know, I've mentioned we've, we've responded to some Dale Tuggy stuff before. Um, Michael Brown debated him, I think, last year. Uh, Chris Date uh, did a wonderful job. Um, you know, Chris is a wonderful guy. He really is. We've had our disagreements, and I I'm, yeah, yeah. And there are, from what Rich tells me, this we we put he put new microphones in here, and I was sort of like, you know, the old microphone we had, it was really good at muting stuff out. And he says he can even hear the air conditioning in the other room now. So I'm sure it's picking up the thunder real, real well, this one. I'm not sure that something tells me a, a next trip, we're gonna be back to the old one. But anyway, uh, Chris Date, uh, you know, the rethinking hell stuff and things like that. You know, but in these other areas, Chris is a sharp guy. He really, really is. And um, I was actually riding today uh, at about 9,000 feet above sea level, uh, listening to Chris's opening statement in the debate he did with, uh, with Dale Tuggy. And um, let me just mention something. Um, I, I learned something. It, here's, here's an example of it does not matter how many times you work through a particular text of scripture. Ten years later, you may find yourself learning something that you never saw before. No matter how many you times you translate anything else, um, you have one of the big three in the Potter's Freedom. Um, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered your chicks together under my wings, and but you would not, and address to the Jewish leaders and. You know, we've gone through it 10,000 times before, corrected Norm Geisler's misunderstanding of it, all that stuff. But Chris presented something that I had never even thought of before. How often would I have gathered your children? This is Jesus speaking. And he's using the, the hen, the, the, the wings, and the, you know, the mother bird um, protecting the, the, the young. And he went into the Old Testament. And... You know, most of us, we've read the Psalter many times, hopefully sung the Psalter many times. Um, there are examples uh, in the prophets and the Psalter of this imagery, and it's always God protecting his people. And so uh, he was exactly right that this is another good example of language where the New Testament writers have no problem whatsoever 
in quoting Jesus speaking in such a way or speaking of Jesus in such a way that the only only conclusion you can come to is but but that's what Yahweh does and yeah that's because the New Testament writers identified Jesus as Yahweh in human flesh not just a lesser representative of Yahweh but this is Jesus being how often would I have done this um, and so it's a good example and again thank you Chris um, it's a good example of how, for example, when we, we deal with James chapter 2, you know, if you, if you witness to Mormons a lot, you've got James 2.20 memorized. You just, you don't even have to kick your brain into gear to start talking about James 2.20 with a Mormon because it just happens all the time. But then you do some, a deep dive into it and you discover there's a whole lot more there than, than I ever thought there was. And here's, here's an example, and I was blessed with that. And so uh, look up Dale Tuggy, Chris Date. You'll get to catch the... Now, I didn't finish, I haven't finished the debate yet because, well, I've got another 4,000 miles worth of driving to do, so I, I, I'll probably get to it. So, along, along the way tomorrow, uh, getting up to uh, Golden, Colorado. Uh, but um, check that out as well. Uh, check out the debate with uh, Michael Brown and Dale Tuggy, uh, Chris Dayton and Dale Tuggy, and then William Lane Craig's discussion. Uh, why? I came to the conclusion that I think it would be extremely useful for our audience um, to do an in-depth uh, analysis of the claims that Dr. Tuggy makes. Now, Dr. Tuggy is not the most uh, exciting person to listen to. Um, he is a philosophical Unitarian. His teaching is in philosophy. It's not in exegesis. It's not in church history. He likes to talk a lot about church history, but I, Lord willing, we will have time to uh, demonstrate a number of problems with his church history constructs as well. Uh, but the, the Unitarianism that he presents is really challenging for most people to respond to because it's one thing to deal with Jehovah's Witnesses. There's a lot of baggage with the JWs. You've got the New World Translation, you've got the False Prophecies, you've got 1914 and you know 1874 and uh, 1925. You've got, you've got all this, this type of stuff and the blood issue and there, there's there's other stuff in there that you're that you're dealing with 144,000 anointed class all the time. Um, you don't have all that with Tuggy, and, and Tuggy's literally standing there saying, "We are the true Protestants. We the the rest of you people, myself, um, all the denominations." It's blowing. <laughs> we we be rocking all over the place. I'll have to admit, there's one, there's one nice thing, um, and I will remember where to pick up. I'm in a bad spot. They they put me in a bad spot, and in fact, the the manager admitted that they don't they weren't supposed to put units as long as mine in this spot. But I had made my reservations before they made that choice. It's very narrow, and so I'm sort of parked at an angle, so I get one door open, get the slides out. It's it's. It's not level, anyway. But one advantage that it has is that right out here is a fence and another unit right over there. And so the wind, the, everything's coming this direction, but, and the rain's starting. Uh, and I'm seeing stuff blowing around all over here, but I'm a little protected. And the uh, Starlink, well, we're not using it, we're gonna use it for uploading, but the Starlink uh, connection is behind the fence too, and so uh, we're not we're not getting blown blown around. That's just a little background stuff. Okay, Dale Tuggy, uh, the kind of Unitarianism he presents, he claims, hey, you all just didn't continue the Reformation. The Reformation would require you to likewise abandon 
the Catholic formulations that go beyond the Bible. Now, do you see why now this isn't this is starting to plug into where we've been for a while now on other topics? And how the conversation with William Lane Craig factors into this? Because basically, Craig said, I'm just going to defend a very, 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 well, he would say, I'm going to defend a biblical doctrine of the Trinity. Well, hey, who am I to complain about that, right? But what he then does is he, Craig, Craig's uh, modus operandi in debate for decades has been to present the smallest target possible to the other side. Uh, remember, um, well, remember, <laughs> probably 20 years ago, um, we, we did a, a review of a debate that Bill did with Shabir Ali. And in that debate, uh, he was unwilling to discuss or defend uh, the concept of original sin. So he was minimizing the target that Shabir had to, to shoot at. And in the conversation with William Lane Craig, uh, with uh, Dale Tuggy, he's basically doing the same thing. He's giving a very minimized doctrine of the Trinity. He's not going to defend Calson. He's... Nicaea didn't really come up that much. Um, I would hope that he would defend homoousios. Homo I would hope. Um, but there were many times when Tuggy would make an objection and William Lane Craig's like, well, I'm not really committed one way or the other on that. And he was using all sorts of language that, you know, parts of God. I mean, it's one thing, you know, I believe in divine simplicity, biblical divine simplicity, not Aristotelian divine simplicity. But Bill doesn't believe in any of that at all. He's more than happy to talk about parts of God. Um, and, you know, the divine person as parts and as God as a soul and all sorts of stuff like this. And you're, you're just like... And you know what? I'm sitting here thinking. I don't... I don't ever remember Bill Craig ever interacting with Mormonism. Has he debated a Mormon? I don't, I don't know. Um, he might be a little less um, willing to do the stuff he was doing in this conversation if he had engaged with, with Mormons in the past. The first 35 minutes were painful. They really were. Because I do believe in a biblical doctrine of the Trinity. And as a result, um, to, to, to hear a Christian going, well, maybe this, well, maybe that. Then it switched, and Tuggy gave his presentation. And that, this is the main thing I'm going to be focusing on, is he gave his presentation on basically why Jesus is just a man. He's not truly divine. You can be called a god, but men can be called gods. John chapter 10, one of the things you have to deal with. And uh, that in and of itself was fascinating. Craig was much better in the second half. He pressed him on a number of issues. Um, he did, you know, I, I really don't like it when um, the Craig group will do uh, all Johannine scholars agree with me that this, that, and the other thing, you know? Um, and then turn around and say, but I'm not using an argument from authority. It's like, yes, you are. You just said all Johannine scholars uh, agree on this particular subject. And when you say that, you're just begging for the other side to find 
I, I don't know how you get your Johannine your scholar card. Is there some place you, you fill some stuff out? Or, I don't know. Um, but you're just begging for the other side to refute you. But it was the claims that Tuggy made, and specifically, and I I'm, I'm just looked at the clock and go, because um, I've got another program to do right after this. Uh, Tuggy's argument is that the natural biblical reading of the Bible itself is Unitarian. And that you have to use um, odd... Got to turn the power on to that light. The battery finally died. Um, you have to use odd, strained readings, textual variants. Uh, you, you've got to... You got to you, you're using uh, difficult texts, not the main plain texts, but texts that are hard and difficult to come up with a Trinitarian view of Jesus. And I, that's where I just about drove off the road because that's the exact opposite of reality. Think, think of just Hebrews 1 and, and John 1. What are both of those texts meant to function as? The lens through which you read the rest of the book. You look at John. John 1, John 20. Oh, look at all the stuff that's connected in between. It is the narrative. It, it, Philippians 2. Hey, let, let me use as a sermon illustration the song you all have been singing. And, and I, I'm just like, how do you get away with this? It's astonishing. And the, the stuff that he does come up with on the key passages... Stuff like John twenty twenty eight, wow. We need to look at each one of those. Here's the point. Here's why you you should be excited about this. You should be encouraging me to do this. You should be taking notes, the whole nine yards. Um, we get this down, and you're going to be able to deal with all the Unitarian groups, with Mormonism, and what is the what's what are we trying to say to the world? King Jesus, enthroned in heaven. This is his world. We need to live in light of what he says. You've got to be prepared to defend who that Jesus is. You've got to be prepared. You have to. And that's what I hope to do uh, as we work through all this. Um, I don't think I'll be doing the... I'll just do the audio. That's a whole lot easier. Uh, simple on my end. Um, and, uh, uh, but you're, you're going to want to make sure to catch all this. Not obviously not just when it's live, but, um, when we, when we get it posted, because I think it will be extremely helpful to, a, to a lot of folks, uh, to get the firm foundation because Christianity without a divine Jesus is a social club. Unitarianism is death to the soul. It's death to the soul. And so for their, for them and for keeping people out of that error, uh, we, need to, we need to roll up the sleeves, so to speak, and do some work. And so we are going to do uh, exactly that. So with that, I will say hasta la vista. Till next time. Uh, next time I should be coming to you from Golden, Colorado. And hopefully, well, I don't know, there's, there's weather up there too. But uh, hopefully we'll have, um, uh, won't have to record stuff and we'll be able to do it uh, live. But hey, it's, it's all the same information and hopefully it'll be useful to you. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Let's punch a bu bunch of buttons at the same time. God bless.